Valencia. I love those videos. If you want to see those videos, want to share those videos, just go on Facebook, and then soon they're going to be posted on Instagram. If you're on Snapchat, I'm sorry, we, we don't got it up there just yet, but hey, it's okay. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh, and then we don't have TikTok, so that's two out of four. But anyway, right, what Malia was doing in the Christian club or how she was impacted, really that, that's different than Christian club because that was school evangelism. So Libni was a part of the same dance team or dance club as Malia, right? And Malia and Libni were dance partners, okay? They did, well, hip-hop dancing, right? Yeah, hip-hop dancing. So if you guys want a hip-hop dance ever, you know who to hit up, Libni and Malia, right? Yeah, what is it like? What, what do you call that, babe? Crump? 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 Like, where? You don't know? All right, whatever. Hey, it's all good because now they, uh, they, they're dancing a different tune, right? They're dancing to a different tune with a different dance partner, and that's Jesus. But Malia's life changed, right? Uh, she's a different person if you knew her from back then. And also, you know, she's, in, she's now called to ministry. She's married to Marco, who's in the back. There you go. Good way right there. And this is what God does. You know, he, he changes people and he changes lives. That's what the Lord does. We've been talking about the call recently, the send, right? Jesus calling, Jesus moving, how his call beckons us to follow him, how him and his moving actually requires us to move with him. Now, this is what we're going to talk about today, how we, right, should respond by saying, here I am. When Jesus calls and he wants to send someone, our response should be, here I am. Can I hear everyone say, here I am? That's what we need to say. When we look at the scripture, we know this, that God has always been the one to send people, right, to speak on his behalf. He sent Moses to Egypt. For those that don't know who Moses is, right, the, the Egyptians had the Israelites, God's people, in captivity for 400 years. God then sends, sends Moses to, uh, to Egypt to speak to the Israelites and to speak to Egypt so that they could worship God freely. Then he sends prophets, right? Prophets like Jonah. Anybody ever heard of Jonah? To speak to the king in Nineveh, right? Jonah ran away, but he sent other prophets. He sent, uh, can you guys name some prophets, you know? Anybody have any, anybody named after a prophet in here? Anybody? Abdi? Obadiah, Abadiah. No, just Abdi, right? So we got Abdi. Anybody else? Anybody else? AJ? Jeremiah, okay, that's a, that's a prophet. Anybody else? What's another prophet? Isaiah, yep, we're going to talk about him today. How about any, anybody else? What's like, a, what's a, like one of those kind of like freaky names a little bit? Like, like Habakkuk, there you go. That's what I'm talking about, the minor prophets. God, he sends these people to speak on his behalf to kings, to, to people, like citizens, to rulers. And then he also sent... Jesus. So the Father sent the Son. So God has always been sending people throughout the Bible. This is what's needed, though, for God to send someone, for someone to be willing and say, here I am. You see, Moses, he argued a little bit with God because he was saying, who am I, right? Who am I to, to go to Israel? I can barely even speak, right? A lot of people think Moses had a stutter. I'm kind of on the fence with that. I could also think that maybe he was rusty when it came to Hebrew. That could be another thing. But he was saying, I can't really speak. 
How am I supposed to speak to these people? He's like, don't worry, I got your brother to speak with you. I'm sending you out, though. Then you got prophets like Jonah. Jonah was kind of rebellious. But then you had prophets like Jeremiah who didn't see a single soul saved, but he kept weeping and weeping for the people he was called to. Then you had Jesus. Jesus who said this, that, it, uh, that not my will be done, but your will be done, Father, right? When he was about to be taken to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we have to understand that God wants to send people, but really it takes a willing heart. It takes an obedient heart. It takes one that's willing to obey God no matter what. Everybody say, here I am. All right, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. Let's turn on these lights so everyone can read a Bible. How many Bibles we got back there? And everyone, you should have a Bible app. If you don't, maybe there's a leader next to you. Share with the leader next to you, okay? Uh, except you guys, you guys need some Bibles because I don't want you guys on your phone on the low, right? So let's get, let's get, let's get these bros there, a Bible, right? So if you've been on your phone a lot in Elevate or during Elevate, what I want you guys to do is not be on your phone, call for a Bible, okay? So let's, let's get a Bible. We don't, I don't think we have enough Bibles for everyone in here. All right. <laughs> we can't be like Oprah here. All right. And then who doesn't have a Bible app? So I don't want you Googling verses. All right. This is what we have to do with technical difficulties. It's okay. It's all right. Bibles are good for you. You should have a Bible anyway. If you are in 101 uh, and just 101 mentors, if you see your 101 or without a Bible, there you go. You already know what to correct them on. All right. So we're going to be in the book of Isaiah today. If you need help finding Isaiah, let's give, uh, let's give Abdi a Bible. Just get, get to Isaiah first, and then we can handle the rest. All right, we still have one more. We got more Bibles. All right, let's get, let's get right here. Hannah, Bible. Just get to Isaiah. <laughs> All right. Boom. Let's get Brian a Bible. All right. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 6 now. So if you go look in the beginning of your Bible, there's this thing called the table of contents. The table of contents has which page that book will be on, right? So the table of contents, that's why you find out. But if you are on your phone, you can obviously just look up in the Bible app, Isaiah. Okay. So you guys should be turning there, Isaiah chapter 6. In the book of Isaiah, the Israelites, everybody say Israelites. Israel with the Israelites. They were supposed to be a beacon of light for the nations to spread the way for the Lord, right, so that God can dwell with them. So we have to understand the Israelites, they were kind of sent out. They were supposed to be sent out. Now, they weren't sent out in a way that you might want to be sent out. The Israelites were constantly being put in exile, right? They were constantly being taken out of their land and being put under captivity in other people's lands. But in those lands, they were meant to be a light. They were meant to spread God's truth, who God was, his word, his law. They were supposed to do that. However, they failed many times. Even when they weren't in captivity, they just couldn't really obey the Lord. You see, they were supposed to be 
light. They were supposed to be like sent out, right? But they ended up sinning and worshiping other gods, finding security in other nations, in other ways other than God, and having adopted lifestyles that were sinful, contrary to what God had told them to live like. Things like consulting spirits and omens and curses and sacrificing to idols. See, they were worshiping different gods. They were doing things different than God, yet they were sent out. So all this culminates into this, Isaiah. Everybody say Isaiah. If you know Isaiah in your life, be like, hey, I know your name is in the Bible. Tell them. I love telling people that. But Isaiah now, he is a young man, right? Or uh, not too young, but he's called by God. So in Isaiah chapter 6, we see that Isaiah is introduced. So it's a cool fact. Isaiah is not in the book of Isaiah until Isaiah chapter 6. And it's in the year that King Uzziah died, and he says, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, seraphim are angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. So if you think, you know, angels look like Brad Pitt, and they look like that dude uh, from, uh, what's that one dude? Yeah, from Shrek, that guy, yeah. Oh, no, Prince Charming. But then if you think they look like Billy from, uh, you know, Stranger, Stranger Things, you know, that, no, angels look like this. They had wings and they were freaky looking. Uh, and they were flying. They were creatures, angelic creatures, seraphim. They could look serpent-like, right? Seraphim has a lot to do with serpent in the Hebrew. Matter of fact, some people think Satan used to be a seraphim. A seraphim. So understand this. This is an angel, a like a divine-looking being, and this is what it, uh, this is what Isaiah sings. So this is not like, you know, a ah, moment. This is like a freaky moment for him, okay? This is not something that he's used to seeing. And there was a bunch of them, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So Isaiah, he's in the temple. He's praying. There's smoke because it's incense. Don't worry. He's not lighting it up, okay? Just want to make that make sure because people will say that. They'll be like, look, Isaiah smoked weed. That's why he was saying things. Listen, no, Isaiah was not on drugs. This is thing called incense, right? And it's not like sage either. So for some people that do sage, like Kyrie Irving, he's off the, he's off the chain, right? He's off the cuffs if he thinks that. Uh, Isaiah was doing that. Isaiah's doing incense. Basically, it's like a candle, all right? And he's praying, and then all of a sudden, the temple starts to shake because of the presence of God. So I don't know if you guys ever been in an earthquake before. Have you ever been in an earthquake? Anybody? Right? Neither have I. Thank God. Oh, you have, Cielo? Sorry about that. It wasn't in Chicago, though, right? Because thank God we're in Chicago. We won't experience earthquakes like that. But imagine the ground beginning to shake. Imagine everything beginning to tremble. It's not like a moment. It's not. This is a terrifying moment for Isaiah because it's at the voices of the angels that everything starts to shake. And then, because remember, Isaiah is looking at God. He sees his throne. This is the king of glory. His glory fills the whole earth. This is God. I am looking at God right now, and everything is shaking about. And he says this, woe to me. And it starts to speak in first person, woe to me, 
Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sins are atoned for. Everybody say, woe to me. Now, it's not woe like, whoa, that's pretty dope. It's woe as in like, how sad. How sad it is for me. What a pity. This sucks, right? This is, this, man, this is bad. This is bad. I'm in the presence of the one who can judge me, the only one, the pure one, the clean one, the sinless one, the king of kings, the Lord of the earth. He's in his presence, and he realized suddenly, right, that he's unclean. But he's not just unclean, his people are unclean. Remember, I've been, I've, I just told you that they were supposed to be clean. They were, the law talks about being clean. It talks about being pure, being holy, being set apart, being different. And he's realizing he's not that. And he's realizing that he's no better than the people around him. Sure, he's in the temple. Sure, he's praying. Sure, he's having this encounter with God. But see, he's not, he's not the focal point of this encounter. It's God's holiness. See, he is basically held captive by God's holiness at this point. And he doesn't know what to do. So what he does is he confesses that he's not worthy, that he's unclean. That's something that I want you guys to understand today. Because before you can be sent out, you have to be set apart. You see, Isaiah was set apart. He was set apart. He was made different. He was changed. Just like Isaiah was set apart, we must be set apart. Because faced with God's glory, Isaiah was defenseless. Isaiah couldn't look to his, right, his religious past, him being in the temple. He couldn't look to maybe the sacrifices he had made. He couldn't look to the incense he had burned for God or the sacrifices or whatever. He couldn't look to anything. He was in the presence of God's holiness. And he realized, just like his people, he fell short. And this is key to understand for us. It's because when it comes to God's glory, the scripture says that all fall short. All fall short. That there's no man that can say, I am without sin. If someone says they're without sin, that man's a liar and the truth is not in them. So Isaiah now is faced with this truth. That he is a sinner. He is unclean. And in God's holiness, he can't stand it. Not can't stand it like it's annoying, but he literally can't stand it. Because you see, God's holiness isn't just a moral code. It's not just like, well, he doesn't cuss or listen to like, you know, nasty music. Right? Hey, God's holiness isn't that, you know, God is just modest. Right? God's holiness isn't something that we can just put on and see. No, God's holiness is his character. Anybody ever looked at the sun before? Like, anybody ever try, like, like eyes open, like, when it's blazing, and, and then all of a sudden you see those spots? Like, right now I just looked at the light, and I'm, like, looking at the spots. I can't even handle the radiance of this light. How am I supposed to handle the radiance of the sun? And if you can't handle the radiance of the sun, how are you going to handle the radiance of the one who made the sun? You see, because that's what it is. God is just holy because that is who he is. 
Out of his holiness, he made a holy earth, and that holy earth actually broke and fell apart. It was functional. It worked. It was different. And you see, God made it, made it out of his holiness. We, we're, we're sinful. We're broken. We changed. We changed from what God made us to be based on our own sin. God is still holy, though. So God has stayed the same. We haven't. And that's an issue. I use this example a lot when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to school evangelism, and you should think about it too, or maybe use it as well. How many of you would say you go to a school that's relatively safe? Like, if you think you go to a school that's relatively safe, like, you know, when you go to the school, you know, not, someone's not just going to rob you, right? Like, as soon as you walk in, all of a sudden, someone's not just going to shoot you right there and then, right? Let's say right now, if you're, not a, if you're like, man, I do go to a school where I feel like I'm going to get robbed in the hallway. Right? Like, okay, well, listen, hey. Let's pretend for now we're at a school where everyone has the best intention for each other. Everyone is nice. Everyone is kind. Everyone looks out for one another. But let's say right now, let's say right now that a school shooter comes into that school, right? You have... Th- 400, 500 students, but you only have one school shooter. Is that school safe still? It's not. It's not safe. You have 500 students, though, and only have one school shooter. How is it not safe? 500 to 1, that seems like good odds. Listen, God's holiness, right, and who he is can only be Shared with people that are holy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you guys understand that. God is holy. Therefore, to be with God, you must be holy. That's how God's holiness works. If I all of a sudden said, Brian, we're going to go on a rocket ship. And we're going to go, not on your favorite trip, right? But we're going to go to the sun. Would you come with me? You would come with me to the sun? All right, that's love right there, bro. All right, all right, TJ, as I know for sure, would you come with me on a, on a, 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 a trip, right, on a rocket trip, right, to the sun? What would be the issue with me and TJ going to the sun? We'd burn up. We'd burn up. You see, God's holiness was so powerful, is so powerful, that when they wanted to experience God. And speak to him in the Old Testament, what they would do is, in order to enter the Holy of Holies, the place where God would meet the priest, they would tie a rope around the priest so that when he encountered God's presence, if he was unclean, it wasn't that God would just strike him dead. It's that he would literally die because of God's presence. It's not that God would say, you're dead, why not, right? No, they would die because just like if you entered into the presence of the Son, right, if you entered in the presence of the sun, you didn't have some kind of spacesuit that was able to withstand the sun's rays, you would burn up. If you come into God's presence unholy, you will burn up. And that is why it says in the scripture that no one can ever see God. No one could ever see God. However, here's an issue. Isaiah saw the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord. So this is what I believe, that he's seeing Jesus right now because Jesus is the Lord. And it says that no one has ever seen God but his son who has made him known to us. So we're saying that Isaiah has seen Jesus, who is glorious, who is God. 
But he realized he's, a sin, he's sinful. And what happens now is that some angel puts coal on his lips. That's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, right? Well, here's the thing. His lips were meant to proclaim the good news, right? Well, not really the good news. You're going to see in a little bit. It was kind of like bad news to people. But he's going to proclaim God's word. So God now sanctifies his lips to speak his word. He basically says, this was once used to defame me and blaspheme me, but now it's going to be used to make me known. And when those lips are purified, because remember, he says, I am a, I'm unclean, right? With people full of unclean lips, right? His lips have been purified now. Now he's forgiven and he's sent out. So before we move on, I want you guys to understand that, that we need to be set apart in order to be set out. In order to be sent to our schools, in order to be sent to our neighbors, we need to be set apart. We shouldn't be living like the world. You understand that Isaiah at one point is unclean with unclean lips amongst people that are unclean with unclean lips. But then God sends an angel who puts coals on his lips. What do coals do? They sear, they burn, they, they, uh, they take away impurities, right? And that's what happens to his lips, now he's no longer unclean with unclean lips. That's the change there. If God wanted to, to, to do, if he was saying, man, I'm cool with Isaiah being unclean and unclean lips, he would have left them like that and sent them out. But he wasn't. You see, Isaiah needed to go through this. He needed to be set apart in order to be sent out. So we need to go through the same. Everybody say set apart. You need to be set apart. So if you're not set apart today, and you're still living exactly like the world, you're following along the patterns of the world, you think like the world, you talk like the world. Matter of fact, if, if we were to put you next to, let's say, just anybody in your school, right, let's say the person who is, a, who, who is on drugs, who needs Jesus, who knows they need Jesus, yet you're the one that says you know the gospel, we compare your life with them, and it's not much different, right? And of course... Thank God we don't compare each other's righteousness. That's not what it is. But there is a standard. If we're not living like Jesus, we're not set apart. We're not different. And not different as in a sense like you're special, you're a snowflake. Yeah, I feel good about yourself. But different in this, we are living with a purpose in this life. We're not just living flippantly like the world. So if we go to Isaiah uh, chapter 6 still, on that next verse, you guys can read with me, on verse 8. Right? Isaiah says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord. Whose voice? Whose voice? The Lord says, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. I want you guys to understand how crazy this is. How crazy this is. The whole temple is shaking. This angel comes and puts a coal on his lips, and once the coal is on his lips, he then hears God's audible voice say, who shall I send? Who shall I send? That's the first thing he hears from God. He doesn't hear, hey, I love you, and I have a purpose for your life, and, and man, you know, you're just such a good person. Oh, man, feel good about yourself, Isaiah. Feel good about yourself. Even though you got unclean lips, hey, at least you use them. Right? No. 
No, that's not what he says. The first thing he hears from God, the first thing God makes known to him is this question. Who shall I send as the whole temple is shaking? And Isaiah then screams out loud, here I am. Send me. You see, this wasn't an option for Isaiah. Once you're set apart, you can now hear the voice of God. And once you hear the voice of God, what other choice but to obey the voice of God? You see, Isaiah wasn't hearing the voice of God until him. He didn't hear the send. He didn't hear the call until he was set apart. It wasn't until he was changed, and until once the unclean lips were made clean, until now he could hear the voice of God. And that's something that we also have to understand, is that God, right, when he sets someone apart, he wants to send them out. But the question is, who can he send? Who can he send? Because he can't send a person with unclean lips to reach a people with unclean lips. That's like, hey, listen, I don't know how many of you are the, the lazier sibling, right? Imagine sending the lazier sibling to help the less lazier sibling get a job done. That's just not going to work. That's just not going to work. Hey, man, listen, your brother was supposed to take out the trash and supposed to clean the dishes. Could you help him out, please? Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Two days later, the dishes are even higher in the garbage. There's three, there's three bags instead of two now. You see, there's, there's, a, there's a certain person God can send. And, and this person, right, God is looking for him or her to speak on his behalf. Get what he's saying. He said, who can we send? Who can go for us? You are not going for anyone but God. When you speak, you're not speaking on anyone else's behalf but God's. That's a lot of weight. That's a lot of pressure. I don't know about y'all, but when I was in grammar school, I hated presentations. Hated presentations. Hated them. I just couldn't stand getting up in front of class and speaking about something I just did the night before. It was just not fun for me, right? Not the best thing to do. But then I, I, would, I remember I would stutter. I would sweat. I would just look around. I, I mean, I wasn't like some people. Some people, they would just literally do this. Like, just freeze, right? And who are they speaking for? They're just literally speaking in front of a group of kids that are going to do the exact same thing. I mean, really, when you think about it, and I know probably some of you guys like that, just think about it for a moment, right? There really shouldn't be any pressure for that. Where's Will? He got me like, oh, Bethany, Bethany with the clutch. Hey, uh, someone was tickling the bottle's neck. Could you please get another bottle for me, brother? I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Who wants, a, who wants a water bottle? We'll give it to Oscar. I'll give it to Oscar, okay? All right. So, all right. Isaiah, when he hears this, okay, he understands God is looking for someone on his behalf. Keep that in mind. But Isaiah doesn't think about it. It doesn't say, then I thought about it, or then I, I considered it. I considered God's request. Or I took a moment, then I spoke. No, it says, then I said, right? Literally following after God. He hears God's call. He hears God's request. He hears God's question, and he answers. That's a big thing to say that you answered God. Many of us are looking for God to answer our prayers. 
and our requests. But how many of us are saying, I'm willing to answer God's request? Think about that. You know, how many times do you say, what does God want for me to do? What is God asking me to do? That's a big thing to think about. Maybe God's asking you to take him serious for once. Maybe God's asking you to finally listen to him. Maybe God's asking you to put down the video games and pray for once. Start to read the Bible. Maybe God's asking you to stop being so boy crazy and start getting an actual scripture. Be a woman of God. Maybe God's asking you to think before you speak and not just cuss people out, but bless them. Right? But maybe God's even asking you for something greater. Maybe God's asking you to be like Jesus, right, and to spread his good news. You see, we have to consider, just like Isaiah heard, right, and answer, what, just like we have to hear God and answer him. We can't just say, oh, yeah, I'll get to it later. See, God answered him in a rush. And this is what I want to get at. When God asks, who can he send, can he send you? Can he send you to your schools? Can he send you to your neighborhoods? Can he send you to your families? Can he trust you? Are you still unclean? You see, because this is what I'm trying to get at as well, because, listen, there's no difference between unclean and, un- and clean other than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only difference between a clean person and an unclean person. Just because you serve Jesus doesn't make you and yourself greater than someone else. So understand what I'm saying, but Are you now changed? Have you been set apart? Are you no longer dead in your sins but alive in Christ where God can say, I want to send you? So when we we hear God say, who can he send, right? We think about it. All right, God, you can send me. God, send me. Send me to my schools. And when you go to your schools and your neighborhoods and your friends and your families and and these strangers, you're not speaking on behalf of Elevate. Understand that. You're not representing Elevate. You're not representing your parents. You're not speaking on behalf of your friends. You're speaking on behalf of God. You see, we're not sending you out here in Elevate. We're just letting you know God has already sent you out. If you're wondering, what should I do with these four years in high school, why don't you actually once in your life ask God, God, what should I do with my four years in high school? Because I'm telling you, kids are asking their advisors Kids are asking their parents, kids are asking their friends, what club can I join, what can I do, but not once does someone say, let me ask God. You got a lot of time on your hands, Elevate. Why don't you ask God, what can you do with that time? Because God is speaking, and y'all just ain't listening. God has already been speaking about what you should do who you should reach to, who he's sending you out to. But the thing is, you have to open your ears and listen. You have to now think, okay, God, you can send me. Here I am. But if you don't ever do that, you're never going to be sent out. And that's the truth. Let's continue with Isaiah. See, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 13, we're going to read this. There is a go now. Once you say, here I am, understand that there is a go. It's an automatic go. God says, who can he send? You say, here I am. He says, go. That's it. He says, go. He's sending you out. He's like catapulting you out. He's shooting you out like that sonic arrow in those video games. You're gone. You're gone. But this is what he tells Isaiah to say. He says, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. 
Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Hold up. What's being said here? God literally wants them to not understand. God literally wants them to hear, but not be understanding, not turn and be healed. Then Isaiah says, for how long, Lord? And he says, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields are ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as terebinth and oak leave stump. So he says, Israel is going to look like a stump in a tree. Literally, I'm going to wipe everything out. Everything's going to be gone. And this is what I, what I want to let you know. Isaiah is proclaiming judgment. Everybody say judgment. Everybody say judgment. I want to let you know God is going to judge every single one of you in this place, including the one holding the mic. You see, God is not just a God of love, but he's a God of justice. God isn't just a God of peace, but God is a God who proclaims war. You see, God isn't just a God who waits and he's patient, but he's a God who acts. You see, God is a God of grace, but there is a limit to that grace. This is not an unconditional grace. Literally, the scripture tells us that he's patient, willing that no one will perish. That doesn't mean there's not a point where he will not be patient. You see, patience, according to God, is described like a long nose. Everybody ever seen Pinocchio? Right? Anybody ever seen in the cartoons where the nose gets real red? Anybody ever seen that before? Like, like anybody ever seen a cartoon before where the nose gets real red? Can it, you guys get me. You guys are following me, right? And it's like the person gets filled like a teapot. It even makes the teapot noise. That actually comes from the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language, when it talks about patience, it says long-nosed. Right? Not long-nosed like my nose, but long-nosed like patience. Just like it takes for in the cartoons, like the, the heat to boil up, right? Just like a teapot takes a while to boil up. God's patience is like that. That he's patient. It takes a long time, but at one point, it's going to be boiled. And at one point, he's not going to be patient. And we've just seen when God is not patient, what he's saying. He's saying, now, listen, they've done all their sin. Let them face the consequences. You have to understand in this place, if you guys want to go and go crazy in high school, go crazy outside of high school, you guys want to keep sinning, you have to understand you have consequences. You have consequences. These are the consequences. God is proclaiming judgment to them. That's what he's telling Isaiah to do. That's his big go. That's what God is telling him to speak on his behalf. And I want to let you know it's not that much different than what we're doing. I want to let you know that the gospel is both grace and and judgment. See, the gospel is both God's grace to all the world. Anyone can be saved, but it's also judgment to those who reject it. You see, because for us to say the Son of God died on the cross for your sins, repent and turn to him for salvation, for forgiveness. There's no forgiveness anywhere. There's no forgiveness for you outside of Jesus. For us to say that and them reject it, that's judgment on themselves. What they're saying is, I don't want God. And that is a self-judgment. We have to understand when we preach the gospel, we're actually saying both grace and judgment at once. 
When we tell people Jesus loves you, right, you got to understand just exactly what that means, is that God cares for you. And you know what? You should actually care about that. You have to understand when we say Jesus died for you, we have to understand that he emptied himself and he sacrificed himself. He paid a price. And if we don't now take upon that payment, we're saying, I'll pay the price. And you can't pay that price. So that's judgment to yourself. When we proclaim the gospel to our schools, to our neighbors, we are both letting them know that Jesus, right, is your savior, but also Jesus took the wrath of God. If Jesus didn't take upon the wrath of God, he wouldn't need to sacrifice himself. Listen, if you guys here have not been set apart, you have not been saved by Jesus, the wrath of God remains on you. That means you're condemned. You're condemned. You're guilty. You should be ashamed of your sin, and you should repent. But guess what? If you continue in your sin, this is what God is saying to you. Okay, never hear me. Continue in your sin. The Bible says he gives you up to your depraved mind. That's right. If you're a sinful person in this place, you are depraved in your mind. That means you're, you're pretty much insane according to God. He gives you up. And right now he's giving up the Israelites. He's telling them, he's giving them up to the depravity. And he's saying, go on, keep sinning. We understand a little bit more if we go to Matthew 13. Let's see how quick you guys can flip to Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is in the New Testament. It's the first New Testament book. In Matthew chapter 13, it says that the same day Jesus went out the house, and if we can have the worship leader come up, please. As Jesus went out the house and sat by the lake, Jesus is moving like always, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables. Parables are stories to help people understand a point. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell upon the rocky places where they didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell, and on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160, 37 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Again, Jesus, this is audibly speaking. They didn't have an overhead just like we don't have one today, but they didn't have a Bible. So Jesus is trying to get their attention. Whoever has ears, let them hear what I have to say. The disciples came to and asked, why do you speak in these parables to people? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. He's looking at his disciples, but not to them. He's looking at the people that are listening. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even then there will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And then he says exactly what we just read. He says, now, though seeing, they do not see. Understand that even though they're seeing, they don't see exactly what he is saying or what he's doing. Though hearing, they do not hear nor understand. Even though their ears work and words are being registered in their mind, they don't understand what's being said. Then he says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, the one that we just read. You will, never, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart have become calloused. Everybody say calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, 
they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. He's saying, listen, if these people hadn't closed their ears, if they hadn't, if they, I mean, if they hadn't stopped listening, if they hadn't closed their ears, if they hadn't hardened their heart, calloused their heart. If you ever had calloused hands before, it's real hard. It's almost like, you know, some people, that they're, like I know people that have rock hard hands because of how calloused it is. And you see, when it comes to a callous thing, if you, try to, uh, if you try to put something on it, it doesn't break through. There's no piercing it. It's like cement, concrete. If you bounce a ball off of concrete, what? It bounces back. However, if you bounce a ball in mud, what happens? It stays there. You see, so our, their hearts were hardened. But he says, blessed are your eyes because they see. In your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And if I can have my altar workers come up. Listen to them. Listen then to what the parables of the sower means. So now he's going to explain to us, those who are sent out, you are the sower. You are the one scattering seed. And he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, so when you hear this message and you don't get it, not because you're not smart enough, but because you're not willing to listen. You're not willing to seek it out. You see, you're not willing to try to understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed following among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what it was sown. If everyone can stand up, please. Essentially, this is saying right now that there's two people in this story. There's the, there's the sower, and then get this. There's the seed. Understand that. That, yes, the seed, we're planting, we're sowing, we're watering, right? And the seeds that we plant, it's the word of God. But that word of God actually grows disciples. So if you are a disciple, you have good soil. But if you are constantly hearing the word and there is no understanding, chances are the seeds that were planted have been snatched away. Now understand what I mean by understanding because Jesus wasn't speaking to to college students. He wasn't speaking to people that have more education than you actually. He was speaking to fishermen. They could probably read and write, maybe. But what was the understanding that they got? They didn't they, they had to have. It was to seek him. To seek him. See, they went to Jesus and they're like, why do you speak in parables? Right? Why do you speak in parables? What did the disciples do that everybody else didn't do? They they sought after Jesus. Why? Because they're set apart. The disciples were different. They were set apart. They got to understand the kingdom of God. You see, because Peter and and James and John, they said, here I am, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. So what? God set them apart, and now they're able to understand the kingdom of God. 
Many of you in this place don't understand the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, the kingdom of God is not something that interests you. And I want to let you know it's because you have no roots. It's because you don't know God. You don't know the Savior that you've claimed to worship. You don't know the Savior which you try to take his name and adopt as your dumb religion. Christian, we should take the Christ out of that if you don't understand the kingdom of God. You got to get it. If you don't understand the kingdom of God, you're what these people are. You're ever hearing but never understanding. You're ever seeing but never perceiving. For you have had a a callous heart. You hardly hear with your ears and hardly see with your eyes. You've closed them. But if you were to open them, you might just be able to see. If you were to listen, you might just be able to hear and you maybe understand with your heart and be healed of your sin. Some of you dealing with depression and and, and, and trauma and the weight of your sin and the guilt of your sin. If you were just to open your eyes and, and, and listen with your ears, then maybe you'd be healed. And then you'd be sent out. If everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes, I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal. And if you want to wait for the altar, you can. You come to the altar, you can. But listen, if you in this place have not been set apart, if you have not been changed, if you just still have unclean lips, if you are conforming with everyone around you, you are no different than your friend who's an unbeliever. You cuss like him. You're perverted like him or her. You, you have the same ambitions, the same dreams. You never consider God at all. When God calls, you don't even hear. If you're like that in this place, you need to be set apart. You need to be saved. You need to have this moment where you say, here I am, God. But in order to have that moment, you need to have a moment where you say, oh, woe to me. How sad it is for me. I'm a sinner and I live amongst sinners. I'm an unclean person and I live amongst unclean people. I'm a lost person and I live with lost people. You got to have that moment before you say, here I am. If you don't have that moment right now, you'll never understand the kingdom of God. You'll never get it. It will never be clear to you. And for you that have had that moment and you want to say, here I am, this altar calls for you as well. Come up and we want to pray for you that you have boldness. You see, because some of the things that Paul prayed, most of it was boldness. There is going to be persecution. There is going to be trouble. There are going to be people that reject you and hate you and curse you. But you are not speaking on their behalf. You're speaking on the behalf of God. And we want to equip you. We want to pray for you because you have a calling. You have a calling. And if you need prayer for anything else, we want to pray for you. But if everyone, eyes closed, head bowed, I want you to keep praying right now. I just spoke, but I want you guys to pray. I want you to begin to pray and say, here I am, Lord. As I'm praying a dismissal, I want you to pray your own dismissal. Begin to say, God, before I leave this place, I want to be sure where I'm sent. Because best believe it, if you're a disciple, you're sent. Father, I just pray right now, God, for every youth that has heard your word tonight, Lord, I pray that they would hear and that they would understand, God. I pray that whatever, Lord, whatever, God, whatever sin, whatever obstacle, whatever thing is restricting them from following you, Lord, I pray that they would repent of it right now in Jesus' name, that they would confess it to you, they would confess their sin and be forgiven, confess their sin and be healed, Lord, and I pray that they would be set apart, sanctified, made new people, Made new people, not just new people with no God, but new people that belong to you, our God. 
And I pray for those that are set apart, Lord. I pray for fire in their heart right now, Lord. I pray, God, that they would not be afraid. I pray instead they would be, uh, they would be on fire, Lord. That they would be, uh, pa- have passion in their heart. They would have zeal to reach their lost friends, Lord. Not just their lost friends, but their lost school. Not just their lost school, but their lost neighborhood. God, I pray that you give them a heart for their generation. That they would not be irritated, but they would be on fire to see their generation saved, God. Lord, I pray for zeal in this place, God. People that are not ashamed, Lord, I rebuke timidity in this place right now, Jesus. I pray that, Lord, we would be not just willing to answer your call, God, but we would answer it with quickness. We would answer it without a second thought, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Let us us cry that out, Lord. Let that be our heart's cry, God. Lord, we pray right now you have your way in their hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed, but if you want to wait for the altar call, we're going to be worshiping. We're going to be going after God. If you want boldness in this place, you need to come up to the altars. If you want to actually do something for God, you need to come up to the altars. If you want to do what Jesus commanded you to do, come up to the altars. Hallelujah.